Rolling. What's happening, y'all? Andy and Zach, we are broadcasting from Studios 353 <laughs> here on West Eastland Avenue. And giving away where you live. Um, honestly, if anybody has a gumption to come say hello, <laughs> then they're more than welcome. Just knock nicely. Fans of the show. Bring some beer. Mm-hmm. We'll take it, man. Well, yeah. So... This is obviously my humble abode that mm. we're recording in. And we've done a few episodes here, although not probably in so we, a year. I was going to say it's been over a year because we had that snowstorm where I drove over. Mm-hmm. We did at least one or two here. I think it snowed both times or something like that. I can't remember. Nah, that I want to say that was before the leg break. Yes. It would have been right before. Yeah. Yeah, so that would be well over a year. Yeah. Wow, look at that. Time, time flies. flies. Jinx. Speaking of time flying, I can remember... So we're coming up on... This is May the 2nd. Mm. I remember Cinco de Mayo last year being the first day that I went out on my crutches. Really? Like, yeah, the first time I like went out socially. Did we go out to that restaurant together? Two Cinco de Mayo? No. When did we do that? No, because I literally just crutched my rear end across the street oh. to Chopper for Cinco de Mayo. Oh, I've never been to Chopper. Is it good? Yeah, dude. I didn't go to Chopper. Yeah. It's been on my list and I just have never been. Yeah. No, it's, it's great. And they, they do themed uh, like cups. Yeah. So they always have fun stuff for Cinco de Mayo. So specifically... May the 4th mm. and Cinco de Mayo, they have like a Mexican Star Wars themed Oh, that's menu. cool. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. They put a sombrero on Darth Vader and it's fun. Uh, all right. So in two days we'll go. Wednesday. Yeah. Shit. I have dinner plans. Oof. All right. I'll figure it out. Yeah, dude. Um, what do you like better? Pearl Diver or uh, Chopper? Chopper. I, I like the... Mm, that's kind of tough. I will say I've only been to Chopper a few times, but I've been to Pearl Diver like a hundred times. <laughs> so I like there the, it is, folks. I mean, I like the vibe of Pearl Diver, um, but I will say I think I like the Chopper drinks a little bit better. Oh, yeah. That's a tall order. Yeah. Well, there's only like one or two drinks at Pearl Diver. I just I love them so much. I don't deviate. Mm-hmm. The the narwhal that they have the rum old fashioned uh-huh. is just incredible. Well, yeah, it's incredible. So anyway, hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, dude, you're fresh from the gym. I am. Do tell. Do push pull, little row, little bench, little pull down. And let me let me turn my air conditioning off so we don't have. Um, no, it was, um, you know, here's what I love about going to Gym 5, um, is that I just read the room and do whatever I want. And right now, I don't really have, a, like, a training plan or program. The plan is to get a little bit leaner, and basically anything goes. So as long as my shoulder doesn't hurt, because I've been dealing with some shoulder pain, as long as my shoulder doesn't hurt, anything goes. There's no order of operations, there's no have to do this, have to do this, have to do this. I literally just walk in, read the room, and I'm like, oh, that machine's open, or that that equipment's open. I'm going to do that. And today was just like a upper body kind of pump. So I did three pulls and three pushes, three or four sets each, a couple drop sets here and there, but nothing crazy. And then, of course, arm farm. Speaking of working around, like, the machines and the equipment at the gym, mm. so I went in for a leg day yesterday, and the... The main leg extension that we typically use mm-hmm. was taken. So I went to the one that it's individually plate loaded. Yeah, the hammer strength one or whatever. And I actually really like the groove of it. A little better than the other one? A little bit. It's a little bit more challenging. It's a little bit more challenging with less weight, which has uh, its pros and cons. Right. But, so, it also has two different places on each leg that you can load plates onto. Oh, so there's weird. like a close leverage and a longer leverage. Oh, weird. So it is a little bizarre, but I had I had a heavier plate closer and then a lighter plate farther away. 
and in between one of my sets, somebody took one of the big plates <laughs> off my left side and I didn't realize it. <laughs> and so I took a seat and I did my leg extension like, well, bam. Oh, I threw it. <laughs> and my, yeah, my left leg like kicked the ceiling. Uh, and it was, it would have been embarrassing if anybody actually was around to, uh, to see me. So but how, how distracted were you that somebody was able to steal a plate? Well, I was doing a little superset between that and, uh, some goblet squats in the other room. Oh, you and I both know you can't superset it. So I was, I was pushing my luck to begin with. Yeah. You can't superset a gym five. You can if you go like a diff, like an, it, like off hour but every time i'm there like I, I want to try it and i know for a fact that as soon as i walk away from something it's going to get taken yeah so i just hang tight yeah and usually to keep myself on task i'll put timers on like i have a i have my headphones or whatever and i've got a timer on my phone like interval timers so like you know that hammer strength that one arm row one that we do all the time the chest mm -hmm. support like this guy i did 20 on 20 off Five rounds right, excuse me, four rounds right, four rounds left, and just wore it out. Mm. And that is, and, and again, like I have to keep timers on me. It, like, A, I showed up late because I knew I was going to be here. Um, and I was out reading in my hammock. So I got there late, knew I had to be here. And also, like, I'll play on my phone or fuck off or whatever. And so to keep me on task, I'll put timers on myself and make sure that I'm actually moving and getting stuff done. So, but I usually just alternate from, this pull to this push to this pull to this push to this pull to this push and then arm farm. Mm -hmm. And basically anything goes. Although I'll admit there's that chest press machine outside. I love to finish with that one. Mm -hmm. I, it's like my favorite chest press machine of all time probably. And I just I always finish my upper body pushes with the with that one. Yeah, it's got it's got a lot going for it. Number one, I appreciate the thicker handle. Yep. I feel like that that kind of helps you get a lot of tension. Yeah, it kind of it kind of just helps you to like I think there's that one chest press that's in front of the mirror in the main room where it has a similar groove but because like the handle is more narrow, mm -hmm. it kind of just kind of like digs into your grip a little bit more and I don't know for one reason or another it just feels like you you are maybe more distracted by the grip or you don't get as much drive, maybe neural drive, maybe somehow. I think there is something to be said about a wider, thicker grip that maybe just kind of helps you stay more in the pressing muscles, so to speak. Well, I also, for my own purposes, for my shoulder, because it aches, I can't take a wide elbow. So to your point with that machine that you're talking about that's facing the mirror, its handles are more horizontal to the yeah, floor. Yeah, yeah, that's and right. And so you can go wide or you can go narrower, but you can't angle elbows very much because your hands are kind of fixed. Whereas the one outside, the I always take the, the neutral grip handles and press. And as you press, it comes together in the middle like this. It's almost like a chest press and a fly all together. So it's easier on my on my wrists, easier on my shoulder, easier on my elbows. And you can really load it up because it's a more constrained you know, whatever exercise. So I always throw some plates on there and just grip and rip. Yeah. So that's what I finished with today was that guy. Mm. And then arm farm, because of course. I almost went out there and started filming shirtless, but then I didn't. I'm not quite there yet. I'm, I'm 20 pounds down. I want to take another 12 pounds off, and then I'll be more shirtless. Ish. Um, why is that? Mostly because I'm just embarrassed to film myself just in general and then to be shirtless. If there was nobody there, I was probably would have done it. But I just don't want to be that one guy. If there were other dudes, the other day there were other dudes that were shirtless and I didn't go shirtless. But if, any, if there were other dudes shirtless out there, I probably would have joined in. But there weren't today. So I just didn't. I didn't want to be that guy. Sure. Well, Andy, I mean, you know, if, if <laughs> nobody's told you in a while, you're... You're easy on the eyes, my man, and and don't feel. Like I don't you... want to make those guys jealous out there. Okay, okay. <laughs> now I will, I will, I will see that. But yeah, dude. I mean, dude, you're. I don't know, man. It's it's kind of weird. Obviously, when we live in this fitness bubble, um, where, I mean, maybe not you. Maybe I'm speaking for myself. 
where like I'm comparing my physique, my body to, you know, the elite of the elite. In the fitness sphere. In the, yeah. in the fitness no, sphere. I agree, yeah. So it's like, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm low man on the totem pole. I'm, I'm leftovers here. But, I mean, com- I mean, and not even that this is about comparing yourself to anybody else. But it's like, at the end of the day, like, we have nothing really to be self-conscious about. And more importantly, I think we have, um, we've put our flag in the ground in the fitness industry for um, providing value that goes beyond aesthetics. Mm. Like, we have obviously staken our careers on our coaching abilities our our ability to provide a real service for our clients and we're not just you know a couple of instagram influencers who are you know parlaying our bodies for eyeballs and dollars not yet i got another 12 pounds ago at least (laughs) least not yet you know what i mean so 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 there's that um but yeah man but you, you know, you do whatever you want with your body. You cover it up, you show it off. Well, you know, and, and I have nothing to be ashamed of, but I just, I thought about it and I was like, I just don't want to be the one guy out here that's shirtless doing the thing. Well, hey, if I'm ever around, you're, you're, you will never be the only one. All right. Well, I'll work on my fitness a little bit more and then I'll be more shirtless. I'm going to the beach in like three weeks, so I'm going to be shirtless a lot. So it's not even like a thing. But well, I, we can't wait for the updates. Okay. Well, you'll see me on Instagram shirtless one of these days soon. Can't wait. Working on that dad bod or whatever. I was gonna say quite literally <laughs> in in just a handful of months. Well, I guess I mean yeah you you're what six months? Yeah. You'll you'll have certified dad bod. Five six months something like that whatever yeah yeah, yeah I'll be certified. Hey man. Well, let's see. Um, my news from today is I got out the latest uh, YouTube video. Mm. Uh, so for those who have been following along, I've been putting out like kind of in-depth tutorials on like all the major kettlebell lifts, and I'm fast running out. So here pretty soon, Andy, what I'm hoping I can do start filming more barbell content at Andy Van Strength and Conditioning. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's, we'll do that. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be easy. Yeah. So let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> I have th- three barbells. Yeah, man. You can have you can have your pick. <laughs> Love it. Safety bar, duffalo bar. I don't have a duffalo bar, but two safety bars and three barbells, and then a bella bar. So I have four, uh-huh. four straight bars, two safety bars, <clears throat> two trap bars. God, I have a lot of bars. Yeah, man. So all that to say, I will I will probably soon be pivoting into more barbell content on YouTube. Um, okay. But one of my last tutorial videos on kettlebell stuff um, that I just put out has been the kettlebell halo. Mm, yeah. That's why you were asking me and about the it. And the halo right? is an exercise that I do pretty much during every warm-up. You know, nine mm. times out of ten, when I walk into the gym, I pick up a light kettlebell, and I s- typically start with halos. Um, and I asked you if you ever did any, and you said no. You said no, <laughs> not unless somebody makes me. Yeah, basically, if you if you're like, let's do some halos, I'll do them. I like I don't have anything against them. It's not like I walk into the to gym five and I see a kettlebell and I'm like, I could do halos, but nah. I just don't ever think about it. You know, I think there's something to be said about when when you practice an exercise so much to the point where you know how you feel after you do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I, I just know from practice that after I do a bunch of halos, I know that my shoulders will feel different and better in a certain way that applies to me. Sure. You know, so it's kind of like one of those, um, it's almost kind of like a conditioned response. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, one of the first things I need to check off my list is how I know a halo is going to make my shoulders feel, 
how it's going to get me generally warmed up, how it's going to, you know, uh, help me engage through the core, all that fun stuff. So yeah, to me, it's almost just one of those things where I, and again, just because I've done it so much, like I know exactly how I'm going to feel, how much I need. And yeah, it's just one of those simple things that um, obviously you don't need to use a lot of weight with. So it's a good way to start warming up the body for a lifting session with just a little bit of weight. I have a question for you. I have an answer. Do you think your kettlebell halo uh, warm-up, do you think your kettlebell halo warm-up is um, actually doing all the things that you're saying it does or and or do you think it's just a familiar exercise that like, you know, and, and let me, let me back up a little bit. Anytime I talk to a new client who walks into my gym, I usually ask them what they like to do mm-hmm. in part because I need to know, but also because I might do a lot of that stuff in part because they like it. It's probably good work, but there's a key factor here. And I think that a lot of people miss this. If you ever walk into a gym and to see what people just watch what they like tend to gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it's just it has nothing to do with we're going to warm up these tissues or we're going to work through these active range of motions or whatever. I think it's almost like um you didn't play a lot of sports but you ever you go to baseball games, right? You and I went to the Sounds game. Uh-huh. You ever watch the baseball players warm up to hit? Uh yeah. Or get ready for a pitch. Have you ever like watched them, like scrutinize what they do? Not consciously. Okay. I have. But, okay. And so here, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to draw a comparison. So if you ever okay. go to a baseball game, or if you ever watch baseball on TV, and you have a batter who's at bat, watch what he does every second between when the pitcher's got like waiting for the call and when the pitcher throws the ball. Because usually what will happen is, let's say the pitcher throws... And it's a, it's a ball, you know, catcher catches it, throws it back. The batter will step outside the, the batter's box, do a sort of routine, mm, and then mm-hmm. step back into the batter's box. And then once he's in the batter's box, continues the routine. Mm-hmm. Another pitch comes. Let's say he doesn't swing at it. Or if he swings at it, doesn't matter. Doesn't make contact with the ball. Ball comes back. He'll step out. Yeah, it's the a little, same. A little tap the shoes. A tap the shoes. One, two. Yeah, a little adjust the gloves. A little, a little swing like that. Right. So yeah, it's, yeah. This, it's this whole little routine that, that gets them psychologically prepared to swing at a 90-mile-an-hour fastball or whatever. Sure. So I'm curious if this, this the kettlebell halo thing is truly doing like all this tissue warm-up stuff like you're talking about. I think it does. But let's say, for the, the sake of the argument, is it doing all that or is it just are you going to bat? Hmm. I think there probably is a little bit of going to bat, but, um, and I kind of walked into that, right? Because I was, because I was alluding to the fact that it's kind of an ingrained habit. Right. So there is that, um, but it's also an ingrained habit because I know how good it feels on my shoulders. Right. Well, and I'm not trying, I'm not trying to take that away, but yeah. I, I think what a lot of people do is when they walk into the gym, especially an unfamiliar gym, yeah. they're going to go straight to the things that they like to do or are familiar with. Of course. Because it acclimates them to that environment. Now, later that might change, but yeah, if you see somebody like brand new to the gym, they're probably going to do cardio because if that's what they've typically done, or they're going to go barbell bench press because that's typically what they start with. Mm-hmm. So they're going to automatically sort of filter themselves into whatever familiar environment to sort of take that edge off or just for like maybe you've been to gym five a million times so there's no edge about walking in there but it's this sort of psychological preparedness and i'm not downplaying the warm-up for your shoulders i think it's both warm-up for your shoulders and sort of psychological preparedness for lifting yeah yeah i'd say it's both those things i'd say it's both those things I, you were kind of talking a little bit before about um, the efficacy of the PVC pipe shoulder dislocate. Right. Um, And I rarely do that with a straight PVC, but I will often do those with like resistance bands. Mm -hmm. I'll do the circles around. And I don't know, man, I, I just really like to work on this 
kind of extension idea, mm-hmm. just getting my hands behind my head, behind my back, all that right. good stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's certainly, I think, a combination of just doing that because it's a bit of a comfort zone, and I'm fairly confident it's doing a lot. Um, and subjectively, I, f- I feel a difference. Now, of course, you know, we can, we can really go down the rabbit hole and make these um, critiques for, like, every exercise ever. Right. Um, but all that to say, um, yeah, just the kettlebell halo is one of those kind of simple, kind of just beginner-friendly exercises that um, I really think can go a long way. And when it only takes 20 seconds to, you know, do a set, 40 seconds, you know, a minute to do two sets uh, with a little uh, goblet squat, with a little um, windmill, you know, these are all things that, um, I mean, are part of what I would consider like a robust warm up. Um, but we're not we're not wasting time foam rolling, you know, mm. which which is kind of where I know like maybe like where us in the strength and conditioning field have grown averse to is is the idea of spending like forty five minutes foam rolling mm-hmm. and spending too much time doing prep work or corrective work or warm up work, more mobility stuff that really doesn't move the needle and takes up too much time. Right. And um, I try to be really careful about that, not wasting time, but I feel like I've kind of dialed it down to the things that I really do think move the needle, especially like for me and for most of my clients. Um, And yeah, I think something like the halo fits the bill. Hmm. Yeah, it's tricky because I'll, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I almost never a i never really unless it's a saturday lift and we're just kind of fucking off unless it's a saturday lift yeah i'll do another one thank you um zach is tending bar today since <laughs> since we're not at zons or at east national beer works um i usually so i had I lost my train of thought for a second i don't like to lift for more than 60 minutes like as soon as i hit that 60 minute mark i'm looking for ways to stop lifting like if i'm if i've brought if i've reached that end point i'm just like Ugh, i'm done um unless it's a saturday and you and i are just kind of fucking off or like you know someone joins us and it's just like a fun like free-for-all whatever we're open-ended but during the week the work week I usually never have more than 60 minutes anyway before another client's coming in. So I'm looking at how I can get my workout done in 45, 55 minutes. So I, a while back, like a couple years ago, really walked back a ton of warm-up stuff outside of literally the thing I'm going to do. So if I'm going to bench press, light warm-up sets of bench. If I'm going to squat, light warm-up sets of squat. And nothing else in between. Unless I have like now, look, in, in, uh, uh, let me pump the brakes for a second. Right now, because I'm not deliberately training for anything other than just to stay in the game, don't hurt my shoulder, and lose a little bit of fat. Anything goes. I can deadlift. I can squat. I can bench press. I can dumbbell press. I can you know landmine, Viking, kettlebell swing. Doesn't matter. I can do whatever I want. So sometimes, just for the sake of novelty and fun, my warm up like the other day, my warm up for a lower body was. 10 kettlebell swings and 15 hanging leg raises and I went five rounds. That was my warm-up before I did squats, I believe. Um, So I'll do stuff like that, but that's pretty decent work and it's good volume. But all that is to say, uh, years ago I dropped foam rolling, I dropped band work, I dropped hip mobility drills, I I dropped everything except for lightweight versions of the things I was going to do. And aside from a couple aches and pains here and there that I can't attribute to my lack of warm-ups, I don't think it's cost me anything. If anything, it's saved me some time. So I'm always curious about trying to be efficient in the gym and whether or not like, the return on investment is, is worth it. Um, I don't have an answer for that. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I do. 
because I think about it often. Like, is this a good thing or is it a bad thing or is it does it not matter? Like, mm-hmm. whatever I need to do to get moving, do that. Yeah. Well, I think this is probably one of the major areas where I think you and I just kind of come to a little bit of an impasse. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we're 80% on the same page. Um, and I think the only place... I... I'll clean that up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think the only thing that we really differ on is that I, I pour my beer into my mouth face (laughs) you like to pour it on the floor yeah i'll get that here in a sec take your time man that's quite the head you got going on there here's what i'll do yeah at least you got it on the hardwood and not the that's true not the carpet yeah uh yeah no that's quite all right it's it's either gonna smell like beer or fajitas in here so um but yeah, man, I, I very much take the same frame with like making sure that we do not waste time uh, with warm-ups. But um, I just think that my um, my kind of line in the sand for what's a waste of time and what's not is maybe just a little bit off from where yours is. But again, I'll go back to the idea that I was kind of pontificating on before, which is like I... I can feel the difference. Um, so, like for example, I do a lot of the joint circles. I do like a lot of that deep lunge stuff, which is kind of what we kind of warm up with a little bit in those like park workouts the past couple of weeks. And like you could make the argument of like, okay, from a performance perspective, how far is that actually going? For XYZ person, I think it's going to be a little bit different and I don't know, like put me on the stand. I don't know if I could defend every single rep of every single mobility drill that I do from a performance standpoint. Mm -hmm. But what I can defend is how different I subjectively feel. So like I'll do a bunch of ankle rotations, you know, after a certain point of like diminishing returns, which I will concede. How much is that actually doing for my, let's not even say ankle mobility. What is that actually doing like for my squat performance or deadlift performance mm-hmm. or even like walking or even like rehab for my foot? I don't really know. Mm. And I think that's kind of one of the mysteries of training is that we don't really know to a certain extent. Um, so I probably am going above and beyond what I actually need to do with a lot of this, what, what you might call like prep work. But I know that it makes me feel better. And even though that feeling is temporary, it still counts for something. And if I know that I'm not, you know, really going off the reservation, if I know I'm doing like the things that we can generally agree are checking a lot of boxes, um, then I feel pretty good about what I'm doing, what I'm having, you know, my clients do within reason. Hmm. So bunch of that deep lunge work, a bunch of, um, you know, again, joint rotations, stuff like halos. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, they don't take up very much time. And subjectively, they really seem to help. And if they're helping more than they're hurting, they're not taking up much time. And there's some good reasoning to think that they're really moving the needle. Then... Those are the things I kind of like to double down on because another one of my general principles is I like to get in a lot of novel movement hmm. for both myself and, and my clients. So if we, can, if we can kind of move through a lot of different patterns, um, to me, I kind of feel like that's valuable in and of itself. And especially now with you know, a couple of years of jujitsu under my belt, I can kind of see firsthand how that has how that has been a benefit. Hmm. But again, we're talking like a sliver of the workout. At the end of the day, the meat and potatoes are still push pull, hinge squat, carry with a good amount of intensity. It um, it's tricky because how I coach and what I coach versus how I personally train is slightly different. Um, 
I would oh, say course. vastly yeah. different, but but slightly different. Like you know, every like I I squat, I deadlift, I press, I pull, whatever, whatever. All my clients do all of those things. The meat and potatoes is, is the meat and potatoes for everybody, scaled to their abilities, their comforts, so on and so forth, whatever. So we're all fine and good. My clients do a more robust warm up than I do, mm. and 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 yeah. and here's why. I, to, to your point, I, it, I find the warm-up a way to introduce novel movement for the sake of novelty um, in that meat and potatoes workout. Because after steak and potatoes, every day, like week in and week out, you get a little bit tired of it. You'll, not, I don't, but people do. My clients sure. do. So I can introduce some novelty in some warm-up stuff. And and with the finishers and things like that, while the meat and potatoes stay relatively the same, so my clients' warmups do look distinctly different than my own, in part because I see enough value in doing it, both in terms of like just general warmup, but also novelty, um, and and just introducing some new you know whatever. So like, I see enough value in it to do that with them. I don't do it often because I don't have time or I won't give myself that time. Right. So I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a useless, you know, a, a use of time or whatever. I just personally, the way I navigate my own warmups is a little bit different than I would navigate my clients. Yeah. Well, that's also the beauty of the, the coaching relationship is people are, coming to you to delegate their time and efforts mm-hmm. to your expertise. So you're going to check as many boxes as possible to make it worth their while. And obviously because you're not in their body, you want to cover as many bases as possible just to make sure you're doing your due diligence. Right. But when you're an expert on yourself, your own body, your training, your training history, your training goals, you can be a little bit more let's say minimalist. Sure. You can be a little bit more like, okay, you know, these are the things I'm getting done. And, and you're just thinking like biggest bang for your buck. And as long as we get these, these big rocks, so to speak, taken care of, then that's a win for the day. Mm -hmm. And that's also kind that's, that's the luxury that we have as trainers in the sense that we can kind of train ourselves in that way. Mm hmm. That is also maybe one of the drawbacks in the sense that like, that's also why getting together with other coaches, that's why hiring coaches is important because that that can be a useful way for you to invest in yourself and kind of, you know, block off and delegate some of this time, this effort, this energy into having someone else do your programming for you mm-hmm. to expose you to new things. And to, um, yeah, I mean, really just undergo the coaching process on, on the other side. Hmm. And I mean, that's, that's one of the great things about, obviously, what we got going on being training partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and this little experiment that we're doing with inviting people from the community out to the park to have some impromptu, just open, come-as-you-are workouts kind of blends that even a little bit more because Mm -hmm. now we're in a only slightly less casual mindset, casual situation. And because we have somebody who's like not a professional coming in, obviously we kind of layer on a little bit more of an actual coaching class trainer vibe mm-hmm. but still something that's fundamentally like let's let's just put some work in and, and have fun mm-hmm. so um that's been that's been fun to do these last couple of weeks i agree and uh andrew messaged me from last week and said he'll be at the next one sweet he was sick so that's why he didn't make it okay yeah, yeah. yeah. we had anthony out there that weekend this past weekend that was cool that's right yeah so Shouts out, you know, I made uh, a couple of posts in some local Facebook, you know, Nashville Facebook groups, just saying, hey, 
air park, 8.30 a.m., come on out. And, uh, you know, as is often the case on the internet, you have out of every, you know, 50 people who might indicate some sort of interest, you have one who has a gumption to, <laughs> to actually show up, to get out of bed, get out of his house and, and show up. And that's yeah. fine. You know, that's, that, that's totally fine. Um, but yeah, yeah, certainly not something that I think we're going to do every single weekend because mm. I still like growing out at the gym. gym. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, I figure while it's, you know, while it's warm out, while it's nice to be outside, um, yeah, I think we've got a little fun thing going here. Hmm. I agree. And I do like being out there. And that breeze was great. As long as there's air moving, it's not really not that bad. Yeah, these past couple of weeks were really fun. Yeah. Not, uh, not too bad. So, yeah, let's see. From there, we did... What did we do this past Saturday? We started off with... We did some Imam swings, right? That wasn't what we started with, but we, we did. started off with uh, a lot of the floor work, side planks, dead bugs, right, and then worked into some like half Turkish get ups. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, man. How about get ups? That's always somewhat of a contentious conversation. Do you teach your folks get ups? I used to. I don't anymore. I very deliberately don't anymore, I, with the exception of one. So I have a client who's going to be hiking Mount Rainier in 19 days, 18 days. Oh, wow. And when she and I first met, she had found this, like, um, exercises to do if you're going to go hike a mountain. Like, it's like Outside Magazine or whatever. Uh-huh. And for the most part, there's a lot of really good stuff on there. It was like, pull. it was, you know, really basic stuff. Pull-ups, push-ups, you know, deadlifts or a hip hinge. Turkish get-up was in there. Now, admittedly, I don't really see the relevance in a Turkish get-up with hiking a mountain. I just don't. But she was interested in learning it. And today, she hit her first 25-pound dumbbell Turkish get-up um, unassisted. So Stellar. Um, she's, mind you, she's very petite. This is a tiny woman. Um, she, she's itty-bitty. So for her, even doing a Turkish get-up at all took some practice because her, you you know this, but and the audience might know this, but everybody who does a Turkish get-up for the first time without ever having been coached always tries to stay in the same plane that they started in. Mm. So like if you lay down on a mat, you're oriented on the mat. A Turkish get-up, a real Turkish get-up, does not end with you oriented on the mat like that. You're always like 30 degrees facing the other direction or whatever. So once we got past that part and we started really working on that technique and I made her stick each position, we worked at 15 pounds for a while, then 20 pounds for a while, and then today was her first time she did a 25-pound dumbbell. I do have a 25-pound kettlebell. We've tried it. She's not quite coordinated yet for that, so we're close. Um, She was stoked about it. but Mm -hmm. So she's the only one that I actually do teach that. I don't teach it anymore. Um, probably mostly for the same reason that I don't teach cleans. Um, I don't find that the ROI on that time is all that great. Mm. So like, I think Turkish get-ups are cool. I think cleans are cool. I think they eat up a ton of coaching time when most people just want to be fit. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to be good at Olympic lifting, no brainer. If you want to be great at kettlebell stuff, or if you're going to try to be, you know, certified, no brainer. But for most people, most of the time, they don't care that much. And and so for us to spend an inordinate amount of time coaching the Turkish get up or, you know, let's say barbell cleans, it doesn't mean anything to them, practically speaking. It's just, a, it, it's cool. I'm not saying that they're not cool. It just isn't relevant to most of my people most of the time, which is why I don't do it. Mm. Yeah, well, you know the kettlebell guy is going to have something to say about that. Well, I know you're. Yeah. <laughs> I would say your your line of uh, thinking is absolutely correct. The only perspective I would offer, and again, this is me again, maybe showing half of my bias here, but 
I can I can kind of teach somebody the get up over the course of a couple weeks mm-hmm. without slowing their training down. So you know how we're always talking about like keeping people moving. Mm-hmm. I can give I can give someone a great workout and teach them to get up over the course of time simultaneously. Mm-hmm. I I definitely could not do that with a clean because it cleans. It's like it's there or it's not. Right. Like for me, like with my very rudimentary understanding and experience with Olympic lifting, it's like, well, we're we're either doing it or we're not, you know. And I don't really know too many progressions like with something like the clean or really you know with kind of most olympic lifts so the main difference there is there's enough progressions regressions progressions Mm -hmm. where we can keep people moving can give a great training stimulus while building up the skill of the full thing over the course of time sure now that also takes an experienced coach it, it takes a kettlebell nerd. If you're not a kettlebell nerd, then you maybe don't have the same maybe kind of tools in your toolbox or comfortability um, to kind of break the exercise down into its constituent parts to, to turn it into what would be a valuable training session. But you're not a kettlebell expert, so that's not your job. Mm. I am, so that is my job. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? But you could even kind of see how I was doing that a little bit with um, Anthony. On Saturday, yeah. On Saturday. It was like, we we did dead bugs, we did side plank. As far as I'm concerned, those are pregressions into the Turkish getup. Sure. In the way that my mind thinks. And then we did the baby getup. Mm-hmm. So, I like that one, actually. <laughs> you know what I mean? So already there, that's just three or four minutes and we're we're getting a lot of the patterns we're getting a lot of the muscle groups coordinated and online and training without even without slowing down right without slowing down or without turning anything into a teaching moment it's just like let's do this let's do that boom 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 getting reps in and then when it came time to do like the get up proper again like with no weight again i was just cueing him through just the body weight version. Boom to the elbow. Boom to the hand. Bridge. Boom, boom, boom. Back and forth. Let's go. Um, and to be fair, he was already practiced. Right. He, he already knew what he, he was already, doing. Yeah, he was. <laughs> so he was like, I've read simple and sinister. I was like, bruh. So he moved through the he moved through the progressions like really, really fast. But if he had come in absolutely clean slate, Again, we would have spent a week or two on just dead bugs and side planks. Mm-hmm. And then a week or two just on the rolling patterns of the baby get up and the roll to the elbow. And then another couple more weeks, we would have gone up into the bridge. And yeah, these are, these are again, all things like we're not taking a whole session to do those things. Mm-hmm. But especially when we're putting them like either at the front of a workout to like get the juices flowing or even towards the end as like a finisher we're still getting in a lot of good volume and we're kind of you know again it's like mr miyagi wax on wax off you're teaching without teaching right Hmm. and that's how i try to approach as many exercises as possible teaching without teaching okay just Putting the bumpers up, letting the bowling ball roll downhill. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. When you set up the right creative constraints, some somebody's body, so to speak, will kind of teach itself. Right. With the right progressions, it should be a relatively seamless process no, for I, a lot of exercises. I would agree with all that. Yeah. Um, but again, it's just a matter of being comfortable with knowing the next right little step for someone to take. Again, that's not going to be wasting their training time. Sure. Well, and in, in fairness, you know, she and I have been working the full get up since we met. Um, and she's gotten a lot better and looks really good. And then we've progressed it. And in fairness, we still, in between Turkish get ups, we do pull ups. Mm-hmm. And then we might do, you know, some band pull parts or whatever. And then we, we're back on the floor. 
And then we trap our deadlift. We do some presses. We do some pulls. We do we do a bunch of stuff. So she's going to be fine. But the only reason that I teach her is because she deliberately asked to do it. Um, I don't think that I could convince a general population client who just wants to build some muscle, lose some fat, and burn some calories that the Turkish get-up is the go-to exercise. Mm. Same with the clean. Um in part because of how much time it takes just to be good at it. Now, uh, now that said, if you've ever, have you ever done like five Turkish get-ups per side nonstop? A handful of times. It'll smoke you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like yeah. if you want to burn some calories, hell, you don't even need to know how to do a Turkish get-up. If you want to burn some calories, put a timer on your phone for 10 minutes, get on the floor and stand back up again, and get on the floor and stand back up again for 10 minutes. And you'll be winded just from getting up and down off the ground. Turkish get-up is just a weighted version of getting down on the ground and standing back up again. So if you're really good at it, you can do three and three or four and four or five and five and be smoked. But you have to be good at it. And the amount of time that it takes to be decent, it takes a while. Same with the clean. I think they're great exercises, but they're very niche. Like Either they really want to know how to do it or they really need to know how to do it. Otherwise, it's sort of relegated to this. I'm not going to like um, set them to the side where they're like irrelevant, but they're just they're not as relevant right now. To your point about creative constraints, it's you can't creatively constrain the, the clean, as far as I know. Like you can work on positions, right? You can go one position, two position, three position. It depends on if you're going hang or power clean. There's like two or three positions. There's the catch. There's a lot going on there. And and, yeah. and then you have to know all the positions and know all the technique. And it's not, you know, there's a lot. Before you can even start adding load and making it worth your while. You know what I can do right now? So cleans are just triple extension. So hip, knee, and ankle extension. I can get somebody jumping in the air right now. Right. right. So the clean is cool. I love them. Personally, love doing cleans. How relevant it is to burning calories and looking sexy with your shirt off, I don't know. But if you really want to learn how to jump and jump well, I can teach you that right now. Yeah. Well, that's the rub with any fast ballistic exercise. Right. And, I mean, that's the rub with the kettlebell swing, to be fair, as well. You know? There's there's a lot of progressions into the kettlebell swing, but at a certain point in time, you just got to wind somebody up and let them loose. Yep. Uh, and that's that's one of the major drawbacks. And again, from a coach's perspective, that's why having as many progressions in your toolbox as possible is so important, mm-hmm. so that you can progress and regress as appropriate for each individual person. And again. Like, I'm sure in capable hands, something like the clean could be, you know, could be taught in a way that doesn't waste time. Mm-hmm. But it takes an expert to do that. Right. You know, like somebody like a Dan John could do a clean session, technique session, and make sure that you got a good workout in. Mm-hmm. The average person could not. I would venture to say, like... Probably even, again, this is maybe me being a little bit biased, but I think like we see that kind of nonsense going on in CrossFit a lot of times when like when they're trying to shove Olympic lifting mm-hmm. into a workout and it's like they're working with the PVC pipes and it's just somewhat, you know, hey, no offense, but you're a CrossFit level one and like <laughs> that's the extent of your coaching education and you're just people having people do uh pvc drills Mm -hmm. and then you're throwing a barbell in their hands and and it just as if load doesn't matter right it just (laughs) in my experience and from what i've seen which granted is very limited um that's the rub is that there is this disjointed training and learning process right if the training and learning process is smooth and it goes hand in glove then then we're all good Speaking of the brilliance of Dan John, exactly what you said, we can practically train the same thing that the get up 
benefits us with, which is this ability to take a fall and fall recovery by simply putting your hands behind your head, getting down onto your belly and getting back up without moving your hands. Mm -hmm. That's the Dan John get back up. Right. You do it like this. You do it with hands across your chest. You do it with one hand in your back pocket, one hand in your front pocket. All you just mixing and matching, removing limbs from the task of taking a fall and standing back up. Right. Which is all the get up is. We're removing one limb and we're practicing getting down and getting up, getting up and getting down. And um, there's a lot of different ways to hack that. And Dan John cracked the code with the Dan John get back up, Mm -hmm. which is stick a hand somewhere, get down and get up on your belly, on your back, on your side. Yeah. So yeah, when we, when we can boil it down to something that is so simple and so user-friendly, again, we, sometimes it feels like we're kissing his rear end a little bit more than we should, but maybe not. Maybe not, because again, that's something that he seems to have cracked the code with where, you know, I think Dan John is a big, is as big of a get up nerd as anybody. And yet he's still, I think a part of his brilliance is recognizing that we need to do the most good for the most number of people. People have no attention spans. And again, people don't want to look down in the gym. Mm Mm-hmm. All that stuff. So he's like, fall down, you know, get down on the ground, get back up. Hmm. And with just a few little tweaks, you can turn that into a really gnarly workout. I agree. I actually have some of my older women that I train do exactly, we just get down on the ground and get back up again. And I have them go face down, like face forward, like one down, like down, and then try to go backwards and get back up. Mm. So they have to figure out how to go backwards, like put a hand down on the mat. Mm-hmm. And come all the way down to their back, and then come all the way up. So we'll do one and one, two and two, three and three, as part of like a sequence of some other stuff, and it works great. That's that's our get up. And they're older ladies, so the the rationale being that if they fell, they would fall with style. Right. <laughs> what is flying if not falling with style? <laughs> so that's what we work on. I believe that's Buzz Lightyear. That's Buzz Lightyear. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, I think the, the central theme we're talking about here is that the, the, there's a lot of great exercises out there. The relevance of an exercise to like you as an individual will depend on your goals and your experience. And really, if you have the, like, the time and patience to really work through certain things. Mm-hmm. Same, with, like, same thing with the warm-up stuff we were talking about earlier. If you have no time at all, like you need to get in and get out. Probably some light sets of the things that you want to do is perfectly fine. You're going to be okay. If you have a little extra time or you just really like a certain like warm-up sequence that just gets you really moving and grooving, then perfect. Do that. There's no harm in doing all that. Same with like stretching and foam rolling. I do neither of those things. But if it makes you feel better and it doesn't eat away from valuable training time that moves you, that actually moves you towards your goal... Then do that stuff or at least relegate it to like, you know, when you're at home watching TV or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think everything has its place, but you have to really view it through an experienced lens or ask your coach. I like I have clients that ask me all. I talked to my newest client today. She went from a 100 pound trap bar deadlift last week to a 125-pound barbell deadlift in the same week to a 135-pound trap bar deadlift this week. Now, that's there's no secrets there. She just is moving and grooving. Like, we're just adding a little bit of weight. I think she can be very strong. I'm excited to see where we can go with all this. But I'll tell her. Like, she asked. She's like, well, what's the difference? Why would I use one bar over another? And I'm very upfront. I'm like, it doesn't really matter. Just whichever one you like better or allows us to move the most amount of weight so that we get to your goals the fastest. Mm-hmm. I, I have a preference for most people most of the time, but I'm also not dumb. Like most gyms have bars. They don't have trap bars. Sure. So I make sure that my clients are proficient in barbell deadlifting, even if I think the trap bar is a better tool for most people most of the time. 
I still teach them how to barbell deadlift so that they can go do it, and I'm confident they'll be okay. Right. Or they can work with any other coach, and they'd be okay. Yeah. Everything has its place. Just weighing those pros and cons. Yeah, man. Love it. Love it. You know, speaking of the whole getting down and getting up idea, you know, it's funny. I've mentioned this a bunch of times. Jiu-jitsu just has a way of just, you know, when you're talking about something that is such a purely task-oriented, um, task-oriented training. So, I mean, that's all that sports are. Right. It's like, sure, there's like technique, but like do the thing. You know, in, in the gym, we kind of reverse engineer the task into so many different like little techniques. When you're out there on the field to play, get from point A to point B. Yep. Like, just don't think too much about it. Just hustle and do it. So when we do, there's certain things that we do in jujitsu that just, um, that that just make me laugh sometimes at, at, compared to some of these things that we like do in in the gym. So like, burpees. Burpees are, uh, you know, for a lazy coach, they're a great filler exercise. Mm -hmm. You just want to smoke somebody, whatever. In CrossFit, obviously, like, burpees are kind of like one of the big staples of, like, the wads. Great. And typically, like, in our community, we hate on the burpee because... It's dumb. It's dumb. (laughs) And, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm an old guy, but... Even like years ago, like when I would do burpees, I would get such a sore lower back from mm-hmm. from like the act of getting my feet back under me and standing up so fast. Mm-hmm. I think it was all that lumbar flexion. Yep, uh, it would it would tear me up. But I tell you, man, you know what is a gnarly burpee workout is just I go you go wrestling takedowns. Oh, I, I wrestled in high school. You know yeah. what I mean? So I yeah. So again, it's like we'll do that in jujitsu. Two to four minutes, I go, you go. You learn a technique, right? Yeah, hey, single leg, double leg, oh, down, God. get back up. Oh, I had. And then a, you're a partner, down, get back up. I had a deadly double leg takedown in uh, high school wrestling. That's why I can't wait to get you out on the mat. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. Yeah, everybody hated my double, mostly because I would pick them up and then dump them on their head. But anyway. Yeah. Well, I um, mean, you want to talk about a quote-unquote functional burpee? Takedowns. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. All, all that to say, it's valuable to get um, multiple different perspectives, whether that's from different sports or coaches or training methodologies and whatnot. Um, and again, at the end of the day, that's why um, as much as I stake my claim... And to bring this all back around, to put a big bow on Mm -hmm. what I was originally trying to do, which was promote my YouTube channel, Mm -hmm. to go check out that new (laughs) Kettlebell Halo video. Um, Yeah, all that to say, that's why it's so important, I think, as coaches to not get um, too caught up in the weeds. So it's like we can have this, it's not even a disagreement, because we're, again, we're fundamentally agreeing on the training principles that guide our decision-making. It's just that we have similar but slightly different toolboxes. Mm -hmm. So maybe you're a cabinet maker. Maybe I pour concrete. Mm. But it takes both of us to build the house. Oh, I like that analogy, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, man. So um, just like that, an hour has gone by. Isn't that wild how we can do that? It's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't lose our blue light? Okay, yes. And this is the first time I actually looked at it this whole time. <laughs> Andy has a few very important jobs in, in the show. Watching blue light is, I guess, one of them. He, he, clips, he clips the lapel mic. Yep. Which is a very important job. It is. And also make sure that the blue light is on on the phone. It's on. <laughs> you just need to stop me every five minutes and go, blue light is still on. Okay. Honestly, that's... It would have saved us maybe a couple episodes. Yeah, that's all right. But, you know, a few a few fallen episodes out of 
68. Wow. Yeah, 68. That. That's not bad. Mm. Buddy. Well, cool, man. So, again, different environment today. We're probably going to be doing um, more episodes out of here just for the sake of a controlled environment. Mm-hmm. That whole thing. Um, yeah, and, no frisbees flying today. <laughs> and shouts out to uh, Tailgate Brewery for this uh, orange wheat. I know that wheat beer isn't exactly your first choice. That's all right. It was actually really good. Yeah, um, but it's it's often my first choice. Oh. It's, it's my house, so... You call shots, brother. But if you have any special requests for next time, I'll be sure to pick something up. Trust your judgment. Famous last words. <laughs> All right, man. Anything to wrap up with? No. I'm trying to think. Anything going on? I have shirts coming in next week. So in two weeks, we'll talk about it because... People well, have been banging the doors down. Yeah. Trying to get some but, shirts. But aside from that, no. I think everything's good. Um, nothing really new going on at the gym. But yeah. All good. Cool. All right. Well, with that, A to Z, no BS. We thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye.